welcome to the At Ramsey Heights podcast, your source for all of our audio messages at Ramsey Heights Baptist Church in Batesville, Arkansas. This is Pastor Brian Coates, and I hope this encouragement from God's Word connects with you and helps guide you through your next steps on your journey with God. Enjoy today's message. Good morning, Ramsey Heights. I want to welcome you to week four of our online services. I know that you miss being at church and I miss being there with you, but in the meantime, we're making the best out of the situation that we can. So I want to invite you to open your Bibles to John chapter six. We're going to continue with our focus series where we are turning our eyes on Jesus and focusing on him in the midst of all these problems we have. Now, what we've been doing in this focus series is we're looking at Jesus and we're asking who is Jesus and what parts of our understanding of of him are missing. This focus series is allowing us to look at exactly who Jesus told us that he was. In the book of John, he says seven times, I am, and then he reveals something about himself to us. And we're looking at these and doing a deep dive into each one of these things, trying to figure out what have we missed about our understanding of Jesus Christ, who he is, and what he means personally to us. So I want to invite you to turn once again, John chapter 6. This is verse 35. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Now this is one that's going to be a little bit hard for us when we're talking about food and we're going to talk a lot about bread and if you're like me, you've been stuck at home way too long. All the restaurants are closed. We can't go eat any of our favorite places and it just made me think the whole time I was studying about this is all those restaurants that serve that appetizer of bread before your main meal comes. That's a pretty fulfilling substance and that's something that we look forward to is getting to go back out and eat and experience that. So when we talk about Jesus being the bread of life, it kind of has that same context to us. There's, there's something about Jesus that is fulfilling and something that we should look forward to having. Let's look at the context of this story and see if we can figure out why Jesus says, I am the bread of life and what he means by that statement. Earlier in chapter 6, Jesus performed one of his biggest and most famous miracles and one of his earliest miracles is the feeding of the 5,000. Jesus had attracted a crowd to him who had come to hear him teach. They knew that he could do miracles and as it got late in the day, the disciples came and said, we've got to send these people home. It's time to eat. And we don't have the money to feed all of these people. Jesus said, collect the food that you can find and let's see if we can't feed them. Well, the disciples come back to him and they were a little disappointed and said, Jesus, we've got two fish and five loaves of bread is all we have. Nothing else. There's no way we can feed 5,000 people with that. And so Jesus says, well, let's just try. He lifts the food up and blesses it and puts it in baskets. He says, now go feed everyone. And miraculously, 5,000 people, or actually it was probably closer to 25. The Bible says 5,000 men. That's not counting the women and children. So maybe even 25,000 people, but thousands of people were fed through this miracle. Now Jesus immediately has to basically run away. People are so excited about this miracle. Jesus has given us food. He's made something out of nothing. And Jesus retreats and basically runs across the sea to get away from them. As they're following him, Jesus makes an observation about why these people are following him. They're following him for the wrong reason. See, at this time, they had not yet figured out that he was the Messiah or that he was the Son of God or part of the Trinity. They were calling him a prophet. And Jesus could look into their hearts and say, they're following me because of what they think they can get 
from me. They're following me because I gave them bread. And they want to see this miracle happen again where Jesus makes food appear and it's free and it's plentiful. Jesus knew that their heart was wrong and he wanted to correct that. And so in a teaching moment, he tells his disciples, I am the bread of of life. So what does it mean when Jesus says, I am the bread of life? On well, each of these I am's, there has been kind of a binary option, either life with Jesus or life without Jesus. Jesus says, I am, and there is an implied concept of the other way. With Jesus, you have A. Without Jesus, you have B. For example, in the first week that we looked at where Jesus said, I am the light, there is an implied darkness that contrasts the light. The second week, he says, I am the good shepherd. There's the implied aspect of not having a shepherd. So you have someone to care for you and someone that, or, or nobody to care for you. Last week we talked about I am the resurrection and there was this binary option of with Jesus you get life, without Jesus you get death. When Jesus says I am the bread of life, he goes on to explain what he's saying when he says bread of life. He says that he who comes to me will never hunger again. So there's this implied concept of hunger versus uh, being full, of being empty versus being satisfied that he wants us to look at. So Jesus says with me there is fullness. With me, I am the bread of life. You will eat, you will have, you will be fulfilled. He also implies that without me, you will never have this. Now, when Jesus says hunger, this is not a physical uh, part of life that he's talking about. Jesus uses a, phys a physical sensation to describe a spiritual condition again and again and again in the scripture. So when he uses the physical sensation of hunger, he's actually describing something about our spiritual state. So let's think about the sensation of hunger for a second. Have you ever been hungry? Now, some of us have been hungry like I waited a couple extra hours before I ate. Some of us have been hungry where food was scarce. And some of us maybe even lived through a time when there was not enough food on a day-to-day -day basis to ever be full. And you lived in a daily state of hunger all of the time. Well, no matter which way you've experienced hunger, the sensation is uncomfortable. Nobody likes to be hungry. It continually brings your mind back to this ideal that I need food. Not only that, hunger is inescapable. The only way to get rid of hunger is to eat something. The longer you go without eating, hunger actually gets worse. To the point that most of us have probably been at at one point or another, even for a short period of time, hunger begins to hurt. Now when something hurts us, when something makes us uncomfortable, it gives us this desire to fix that immediately. So when we are hungry, it actually causes us to be in pursuit of food. And with physical hunger, we tend to put everything else aside and pursue food. As a matter of fact, we can get so enveloped in the pursuit of food when we're hungry that it actually changes our personality. Some of my favorite commercials that I've ever seen came from Snickers. And you may have seen these. They came out several years ago. It's the You're Not You When You're Hungry series. They would take a celebrity and they would have them act as somebody who was grumpy or out of their element and then give them a Snickers and say, there, isn't that better? So for example, one particular commercial that I remember was a bunch of young 20-year-old guys and they're outside playing football. One of the players was Betty White. And I don't know if you know who Betty White is, but she is literally older than sliced bread. I'm not making that up. So Betty White's out here playing with all of these guys playing football and she gets tackled. And when she comes back in the huddle, they call her John. They said, John, what's wrong with you? Why 
why aren't you playing? You're running like a grandma out there. And this altercation starts to start where they start to fight with each other and argue. And somebody comes up to Betty White and says, John, you're not you when you're hungry. Here, have a Snickers. And the idea is that as soon as Betty White bites on that Snickers, she transforms back into 20-something-year-old John. They say better. He says better and goes and plays football. The idea is that hunger causes you to change your personality, change your attitude, and change how you treat people because we focus on nothing but food. In today's society, we call that concept hangry. You ever met somebody that when they go just a little too long without food, they get mad, they get unpleasant to be around? We call that being hangry because we pursue food and it changes who we are. Now the thing with physical hunger is that it is a never-ending cycle. Think about it, you can get your hunger to go away, but what happens three hours later? It comes back. And so we live our lives with physical hunger, feeding ourselves and getting hungry. Feeding ourselves and getting hungry feeding ourselves and getting hungry. It is a daily routine that we have to eat, and it is a never-ending cycle of this hunger coming back. Well, what Jesus is saying here when he says you will never hunger again, the binary option, the opposite option of being hungry all the time and being in that cycle is that you will always be full. So he says that your current physical state is this never-ending spiritual state of hunger. Now our souls are just naturally uncomfortable. We, we have this desire to fill ourselves with something. We have this emptiness with us. So we chase fullness in the world. We chase things that we think are going to make the hunger go away. So we're compel compelled to fill ourselves with something. Some people chase relationships. They think, man, if I just had a boyfriend or a girlfriend, or if God would let me get married and have a husband or a wife, or if, or if God would give me children, I would be full. I would never want anything else again because I would have what I would desire. And so they spend their life chasing relationships. Some people chase power, respect, and popularity. If everybody wanted to be me, if people looked up to me, if people wished they were me, I would be full and I would not be hungry again. A lot of people, especially in America, chase money and possessions. If my bank account just gets to a certain amount, if I have the biggest house, the nicest car, the newest clothes, I will be full. And so they spend their life trying to get those things, money and objects and materialistic things. For the rest of us, we chase things like social media. It seems weird to say that we chase people's opinion online. But there is a whole psychological effect on today's youth where they are actually addicted to people liking their posts and their videos, to people commenting on things, to being built up on social media. And so those people think, if I just had this many people compliment me online, if I had this many people like my video, if I had this many people be my friend or my follower on a social media platform. For some people, they chase looks. If I looked like the movie stars, I would be happy and I would be full. And so we spend thousands of dollars a year on diets and on gym memberships, neither of which is bad. But it may get even so desperate that people go to a doctor and say, you see this nose? I want you to make it different. And then I will be beautiful and I will be full. We can spend our lives chasing politics. We pay uh, spend our life chasing, chasing control over our lives. Entertainment, all of these things we think will make us full. But it never does because hunger 
is a never-ending cycle. My wife and I are flirting with the idea of looking for a house, and as we go into these houses and look at them, we find ourselves having these discussions. Well, this is a nice house. It has enough room for our newly expanded family. And then we start looking at it and say, you know what? We would be happy here for a while, but eventually we want to redo the kitchen. Eventually it needs a new floor. Eventually that wall has to come out. And the conversation when we enter these houses always ends up going to the fact that, you know what? This will probably be a temporary house. We'll live here seven, eight, ten years, and then we can afford a nicer house, a bigger house with a bigger yard. There's something in us that says we always want more. And so that's why when people chase relationships, they get into a relationship and then they look at the relationship and they say, I wish my wife and my husband was like so-and-so's wife or husband. They get a brand new vehicle and after six months they think, I need another new vehicle. They go buy a new house and say, this house is perfect and it fulfills me. And just about a year later, I wish this house was bigger or I wish it had more things. Hunger is a cycle. You can only fill yourself up temporarily and then the hunger will return. That's why we have in this world millionaires and billionaires who have more money than they could possibly ever spend. And what do they do? They devote their life to getting more and more money. Because it doesn't matter how much you fill yourself with the things of the world, you will be hungry again. I want to ask you, is there a goal in your life where you're saying, if I could get to this point, this level of financial security, if I could have these possessions, if I could get to this position at my job, I would be full and content? I'm going to tell you that's a lie that you tell yourself. When you get to that point, you will again find yourself hungry because it is a cycle. You fill yourself and then you become empty. Now, because this is the current state of our soul, that we are continually in pursuit and chasing fullness, it causes us to continually sacrifice ourselves for these things that, in all honesty, don't matter. And Jesus comes onto the scene in a world where people for thousands of years have chased everything trying to make themselves full. And they say, I am, and he says, I am the bread of life. I will give you fullness. I will make you happy and you will no longer be hungry. You will no longer need. You will no longer desire when you are filled by me. Basically what Jesus is saying is this never-ending drive to fill yourself will fade when you come to Jesus. This is a permanent condition that Jesus wants us to get in. Think about when you eat a big meal. Maybe you go out to eat with your family, or you may think back to a holiday, Christmas, or Thanksgiving. What do you feel when you have just eaten all that you can eat? When you're completely full, even though it's uh, uh, temporary, what do you feel? Well, you're content. There, there's this time of relaxation that after we eat, we can just sit back and enjoy each other. There's a time of rest. I know that some of you are very passionate about your Thanksgiving afternoon or your Easter afternoon or your Christmas afternoon naps where you have just eaten and now you can just rest and be content and full. When Jesus says, I am the bread of life and you will never hunger again, that's what he's saying, is that you will enter in this permanent condition of rest. You will enter into this permanent condition of fullness and contentment. And there will be no more desire and no more to drive to fill yourself, to fill your emptiness, to fill your hunger. So the question you might be asking if you're like me is, you're saying, Brian, 
I'm hungry. I, I see in myself that I'm trying to, to fill myself with these possessions. I want to be somebody. I want to do this. I want to be beautiful. And I continually try to fill myself. And I hope you recognize your, in yourself that you've never been full, that it was always temporary. So how do I get this fullness that Jesus offers? Now, if you're not a Christian, the first step is obviously going to be to become a follower of Christ. But even those of us that are followers of Christ, we can still find ourselves in this condemnation of hunger in this condition of emptiness because we put our focus in the wrong place. So if we're going to ask, how do I get this fullness? We need to ask of the scripture, who gets the fullness? Well, in verse 35, Jesus says, those who come to me will never hunger again. Well, what does it mean to come to Jesus? Well, when I say come here, I'm asking you to leave where you're at and physically move yourself to where I'm at. And so when Jesus says, those who come to me, he's talking about people who have this movement from where they're at to come to Jesus. And when he says, come to me, he says, in my presence. So this, the concept of coming to me is leaving where you're at to pursue and chase the presence of Jesus Christ. So to those who make that choice to quit chasing this and quit chasing that and pursue Jesus, they will find fullness. I don't know if you're familiar with the game. Most of us are. You played it in like first or second grade, the game of tag. And, and the way tag works is you get five or ten kids and you go out on the playground and somebody is it. And it has to chase somebody else until they can slap them on the bag and they say, tag, you're it. And then that child will chase somebody else. I love watching kids play this game because they're so funny. They chase left and they chase right. They chase John. Then they turn around and chase Tyler. And they run in circles until they finally get somebody. But what you'll notice a lot of times is kids start chasing, but they'll chase for a little way and they'll turn around and they'll chase somebody else. And then they'll chase another kid. And they never make any progress because they never commit to a direction. That's kind of how you and I are in this world. We try to fill ourselves with this, and then we chase that, and then we try to get rid of our emptiness by going that way. Jesus says, I want you to quit chasing random things. He said, I want you to chase, and I want you to pursue me. Move from where you're at and pursue my presence. And when you get there, you will be full. Fullness is found in the presence of Jesus. Why does Jesus fulfill us? Why do we find fullness and we no longer have hunger in Jesus? I love this. It took me a lot of, a lot of study and a lot of prayer, and this just kind of opened itself up to me. When we are in the presence of Jesus, we have found our purpose. Did you know you were designed with a purpose? It's something that God put in you when He designed Adam and Eve, and it's been in all of mankind. Do we not spend our lives asking, what is my purpose? Is it not the conversation on college campuses? What is the purpose of life? Well, I hate to tell all of these people that have spent so much time trying to figure this out, but it's found in the first book of the Bible. God didn't even wait till the end to tell us what the purpose of life is. He put it in chapter 1 of Genesis. In chapter 1 of Genesis, it says this, that we are made in the image of God. What does that mean to be made in the image of God? It means that something about God was put into us. 
Let me explain it this way. In my living room, my wife has made a family wall where we have pictures of all of our memories of me and her and our families. And each one of those images on that wall is from a very special time in our life. I can look at those pictures and I can see the picture of my wife and I on a wedding day and I can remember that day that we became one flesh, that we committed ourselves to each other forever. I, I can look at the picture of us in front of a giant set of shark jaws and I can remember that was on our first anniversary in Springfield, Missouri. I can look at the pictures of our family and remember the times that we were together. I can look at the pictures of us in a cave and remember those dates that we had. Each of those images represents a bigger story. So when we talk about being an image of God, it represents something bigger. Let, let me put it this way. Your purpose is to be a small representation of a big God. That's why God designed you. He made you specially. We are the only thing, we are the only thing that He made with His hands, that He formed out of the dust of the ground. We are the only thing that God breathed life into. You and I hold the emotional capacity of God. When you look at the Bible and you see God's emotions, He's angry and He's upset and He's full of love and He's full of mercy. Those are things that we experience on a daily basis, and we're the only thing in God's creation that was made that way. Not animals, not mountains, not oceans, not even angels. Only you and me. You were made to be a small representation of a big God. Now, there's a conflict with that. That is our purpose. But there's two words in there that really make that difficult for us to grasp and say, I like that purpose. Those words are small and big. We don't like to be small, do we? We don't like to look at ourselves and say, I'm small and insignificant. So the reason we chase fullness in other places is because we don't want to chase fullness in being small next to a big God. If we want to find our purpose in being a small representation of a big God, we've got to first learn to be small beside a big God. Think about that for a second. We have to be small beside a big God. What does Jesus say that you will find fullness at? When does He say you'll find fullness? When you come to Him. When you pursue His presence. When you enter into the presence of Jesus Christ, you stand next to a big God and guess what? You cannot help but be small. And so, let's put it this way. When we pursue Jesus, we find His presence, and in His presence, we are small next to a big God. Now, that's difficult for us to think about. I don't want to be small, you might be saying. But deep down, you do want to be small. Every human has wanted to be small next to a big God. Over thousands of years, if you study history, people who do not believe in the Creator of the universe, they don't believe in the presence of our God, what do they do? They go get a block of wood, or they get a big rock, and they make a god for themselves. This is, they say this is the, the god of life, and this is the god of death, and this is the god of the sun, and this is the god of the harvest, and this is the god of rain. And they find themselves making gods bigger than themselves so they can be small next to them. Part of who you are says, I need to be small next to a big god. And you will never be 
full until you can stand in Jesus' presence with that exact mentality. Small next to a big God. I've got a story for you. I set out with a goal when we started Focus to enter a story of a hymn in every message that we had. And I don't know if we're going to get all seven of them, but we do have another one today. So this is week four. And this is the story of Bill and Gloria Gaither. They are gospel legends. And they, they wrote a song called Because He Lives. And this song just played in my heart all week after we celebrated the resurrection. This song was written in a time of anxiety and panic for Bill and Gloria Gaither. Bill Gaither had been very sick. He just underwent uh, several weeks of being sick with mono. Gloria was dealing with some personal attacks that people had attacked her, called her names, and you know how damaging that can be, especially if you try to find f fulfillment in people's opinion of you. And it was at that time they found out that they were pregnant with their third child. This was in the 1960s. And Gloria found herself full of anxiety about how can we bring this child into this world with everything that's going on. This is in the midst of the Cold War, the 1960s. People routinely worried about the start of a nuclear war. This was at the height of the Vietnam War when people are being drafted and sent off to a war that they didn't understand and many didn't support. On top of that, our nation was undergoing a sexual revolution. It was also undergoing racial tension. The world seemed to be on fire and the anxiety and stress of that caused Gloria Gaither to really wonder, how can I bring a child into this world? See, she was trying to fill herself with safety and security. She, she chased the ideal that everything is going to be alright if I can get rid of the wars, if, if we can get rid of the problems in our country. But she found fullness in pursuing the presence of Jesus Christ. Listen to, listen to the verse of this song, or the chorus of this song. She says, Because He lives, I can face tomorrow. Because He lives, all fear is gone. And I know that He holds the future. And life is worth living just because He lives. In a world where it seems like everything is on fire and everything is falling apart, how do you say those words? It's when you stand small beside a big God and you allow yourself to be fulfilled by His purpose in your life. See, when you allow yourself to be small next to a big God, guess what else becomes small? Everything about you, including your problems. And so when we stand next to a big God, the problems that we face become small next to a big God. Think about that right now with coronavirus and the economy and my goodness I'm so tired of watching the news it's nothing but uh, depressing and disappointment it, it makes me worry about the future and what will happen it makes me worry about all of those things but when I take myself and I make myself small beside a big God I think you know what God holds the economy in His hand. God holds the cure to this virus in His hand. And all the problems, all the things that I worry about, all the safety and security I've been trying to fill myself with, they don't matter anymore because God has got it. I wonder how many of us as Christians miss our safety and security around Jesus Christ because we refuse to be small next to a big God. I guess we could sum up this whole message with just three words. Jesus is enough.
That's what Jesus means when he says, I'm the bread of life. I am enough. All you need to be filled is me. And so my encouragement to you this week is to pursue Jesus. Be small next to a big God. Be full and live a life where you believe that Jesus is enough. Would you pray with me, please? Father in heaven, God, we thank you for the day that you've given us. God, we thank you that you do fill us and that you are enough. Lord, we love you with all of our heart, and we just pray that you will help us focus on you. God, I pray if anybody is listening to this that doesn't know you and doesn't know what it means to be full by you, that you will give them that. Lord, we love you with all of our heart. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I can't wait to be with you again, but until then, God bless. Well, I'll see you next week. Thank you.